and welcome to the WCS Voices Podcast. Today, we're sitting with Esther Carroll. Esther Carroll is a retired Wood County teacher librarian, and she's also the volunteer curator for the New Era School, which is a one-room school, and it's located on the campus of Mineral Wells Elementary School. So welcome, Esther. Welcome. Thank you. We're also here with Jimmy Stewart, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, a little bit about the school and the background, curating, research, um, a lot of different things. Um, but uh, Esther, why don't you first tell us a little bit about your background? Grew up in Doddridge County, West Virginia. Moved to Wood County and taught for over forty years. And where were you? Um, where were you a teacher librarian? Uh, mineral wells, basically. I also taught at Fair Plains and Rayon early on. So you work now with the, the Living Heritage Museum, and specifically this is the New Era One Room School. Would you tell us a little bit about the background of the school and how you became involved? Well, in the early 90s, a group of teachers at Mineral Wells decided that it'd be nice to have a real one room school to show the students instead of just saying all the kids were in one, one room with one teacher. Mm-hmm. And it became part of the West Virginia uh, curriculum. So we felt like that was important. All right. So after much searching, Wood County Schools had uh, the new era school building on Missouri Run. <coughs> And they had given it or handed it to the Wood County retired school employees to do something with. And they had even considered going to the Parkersburg City Park. But nothing had happened. So they were happy to send it, uh, hand it over to us, um, being a new organization. You and, want- and I understand um, that when it was moved there, that wasn't the first time it was moved. <laughs> Okay, this is the fourth location. It was wow. done in Paddle Run. Uh, we found out later that it was 1891 at a cost of $495. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was moved down the ridge uh, to the Arthur Black Farm. And I don't know how long it was there, but it was moved on up the road about a half a mile later, and that was its third location is where we found it. It was, the ceiling was dropping, the windows were broken, part of it, Um, the girl's outhouse had already been dumped, (laughs) but the 4-H had used it five years after it closed in 1956, and that kind of kept it going, and the community used it as a community building. And then it was empty after they moved out. And the, the 4-H group had painted it, replaced the windows. So it was their meeting place. And then after they moved on up to Williams School, <clears throat> it was only five years before we took it. So because the community took such good of it it was usable we wanted to move it as a whole 
Uh, we even checked with a helicopter thing in the <laughs> National Guard, but uh, <laughs> we couldn't move it down the road. It's too narrow, and it has those little stone bridges that you can't right. get mm-hmm. through. Of course, you could have piled gravel in it and mm-hmm. got it across. But anyway, we had to dismantle it, pieces. We numbered it. We had some folks do the sketches and the measurement first. Uh, the chalkboard was saved across the front. The side of the building was so limber with the kind of siding they used then that we had to cut it in half and move it that way. Quite an endeavor. The grafts, <laughs> yeah. the, the rafters were hodgepodge, I guess, because they'd been moved so many times. So when in our reconstruction, they used new lumber with the old lumber and made real rafters. The slate roof, it was the old pieces of slate, and we had to slide them down a board and catch them in gloved hands and store them upright. And that's how we saved the pieces. Goodness. <laughs> Though <clears throat> we brought the windows and the screens and all that with us, looked for artifacts underneath, we had a block base, uh, we found beer bottles under there <laughs> and lots of those big light bulbs mm-hmm. and uh, pieces of glass. And they told us to look for a pair of stilts that they had pushed them under. T- the people that lived there or went to school there were still talking with us. Really? They told us to look for the stilts that they'd pushed them back so far they couldn't get them. And we did find them. And mm. we did. And I did itemize them. <laughs> I did barcode them <laughs> but anyway we stored it at <coughs> Benson's which was at the interstate uh, at, while we were getting the ground ready and all the legal stuff mm-hmm. taken care of um, the construction Dennis Reed construction was our our person in charge Paul Inman was the committee person that was that worked so hard and so it took about <clears throat> three years to get it back together, but we had heritage days in between that, even when it was just a building. Wow. <laughs> With the roof, we just put the felt roof on it for a while. We didn't have funds for uh, to get the slate on correctly. We did heritage days to involve the children in the research. We did a video where they acted out and uh, they had to research and dress appropriately and learn the games. And we did, <clears throat> that was before it was even finished inside. So a lot goes into that. Uh, that's a smidgen. The biggest, the, the messiest part was taking the lead paint off of the inside. We had to put the goo on it and scrape it off tedious process and yes there were volunteers or we it would never have happened yeah and the people that went to school there told us all these wonderful stories of what happened at their school Hmm. do you know where the name of the school came from no um there were lots of wonderful things happening in education at that point so we were hoping that that was probably the reason there were things coming up like when we knew there was free schools in West Virginia in 1864. What They didn't have the graded system yet. 
The teachers were paid like $30 a month for five months. Uh, the schools were moved to the population. No, we don't know for sure, but there were things happening. We hope that that way. And teachers were being taught a little bit on how to discipline and how to organize and given or, some summer schools. Or sort of a formal preparation. Than More what they than had. just pass the test and yeah. here's your class and here's your uh, load of coal yeah. <laughs> and yeah. your roll book. Have a good year. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Box yeah. of chalk. <laughs> well, I know you mentioned um, Heritage Days that happens, um, but also, you know, like, how is the museum used today? Um, is it open uh, for school class trips and things like that? Okay, we are, <coughs> we are part of the curriculum. And yes, we are open for trips, even out of the county, of course, we're not limited. They can have a one-room school experience. It started out with the school mister, old Tenny, and then it became the school marm, the stern school marm, Patty Cooper. <laughs> and she would reenact with the kids and smack them on the knuckles and, and make them stand in the corner and all those things. And I was supposed to not say mean. She said, just tell them I'm stern. <laughs> <laughs> She's no longer uh, able to do this. So we, met, we missed that part of the curriculum. Yeah, definitely. Now, as far as the, um, the New Era School is open to the public, yes. if someone from the public wanted to come um, and see, what might they expect to see and learn uh, during a visit to the school? Okay, the school was set up like a, like you're ready to teach, reading, writing, arithmetic, mm -hmm. and the old textbooks are in there up to 1956. That's my cutoff point, other than the West Virginia ones. They can use the pen and ink, and they can experience the wood floors and the fold-up desk and the wiggling, and if they want to explore more, we have... 30 albums of Wood County, early Wood County schools, uh, pictures and clippings, and, and they can pursue that. Sometimes it's fun, it's rewarding when they find, oh, that's my grandma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Can I copy that? Sure. <laughs> well, I know it's full of relics and different things that you've collected through the years, things that were part of the school or different things that have been donated to the school as well. And so there's a ton of things for the kids or for the visitors to see. While and there. representative of things that would have been in there, even though they're not from there. Like the skunk skin that um, skunk they told skin. me. <laughs> the, the, they told, Russell said they used to go skunk hunting and they would, this one night they got sprayed and knowing that his mother would not let him out of the house, they had hidden their clothes down the road they put them on and came to school thinking that Mrs. Brown would send them home. She did not send them home. She put them outside the window across a board in oil drums, and there they were all day. <laughs> so we love these stories that actually happened at the school. Right. So they were outside the window still expected to kind of listen in on what was happening? I don't but their know stench that part. possibly I, had to keep them outside. <laughs> she kept them outside. Kept them at a distance. Oh, <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. And another story that we heard from people that went to school there was <coughs> Everett had 
the big marble steely, the ball bearing, and the kids played a lot of marbles, but they weren't allowed to bring those. Those would break up the glass marbles. And it ended up through the chalkboard, and that hole was still there today. When we dismantled, we looked for the marble. It wasn't there. The steely, it wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> they loved the story to tell me about Mrs. Brown and her soup. Leah Brown was one of the teachers at several periods, and they would have the, she would have the kids bring a vegetable, and when she collected them, she would cook soup. From what we know, there was a little propane hot plate in the back hmm. at one point. They also talked about the hot chocolate out on outside in, right. a, in a container. So these are real incidents from people that went to school and saved the building, actually. And have shared and, their stories with you throughout and, the years. And would, we were privileged to meet three of the teachers that actually taught there. Mrs. Forshee and Mr. Manny and Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson was the last one that, when the school closed in 1956. Okay. And uh, they gave us some of them. They gave us some of their books and their texts and, and their stories. Mr. Manny said that he came that year because his wife was assigned there, but it was too far to drive. Mm -hmm. So he took it for her, and it was not important for him. He didn't even want to talk about that experience. Really? He ended up in Williamstown, I believe. Another story we had was that the teacher bought them a new baseball, and sometimes they had used a rock and a sock. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't have the right thing. And said so the boys, the kids watched that white ball new on their desk all morning. And at recess, they took it out. And the first person they hit it, it went down the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher didn't believe them until they pulled it out of the ashes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was no longer white, but they I still had a ball. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, one of the little-known treasures of the museum is the amount of history like you've been talking about, uh, that's been collected about the schools uh, in Wood County. And you personally work on curating these historical images and documents. But how did you become kind of interested in that work? How did you start out doing that? Probably the librarian in me. Makes sense. <laughs> the I the cataloging in you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that when people donated things, it should be noted someplace. And also thought that we should be able to find it. <laughs> it's important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need more people that are willing to take a piece of history and uh, appreciate it and document it that are willing. We need more volunteers that are willing to do things like that. We would love for some people to take some of the schools and research them. Uh, Fair Plains has done a wonderful job researching theirs. Lubeck has done a wonderful job. And, and we'd like some others to come forward and, and add to our collection. Yeah, that'd be wonderful, definitely. So how do, you, how do you do this research, and how do you acquire all these images and documents? Mm -hmm. People just know we're there, I think. So a lot of people reach out to you and donate materials? And I go through the newspaper. I pull the obituaries of former teachers, and yeah. they're filed, too. <laughs> uh, 
people aren't really researching, mm-hmm. but we'd love for them to do more and, and have it. So any, yeah, any help with that? Um, if, if people had information, um, they had some documents or they had um, even stories, um, how, would they, how would they reach out? Would they just reach out to the museum itself? Emails best, yes. Yeah. And we would like them to share their photos, but we don't want their treasures. I mean, we a copy's fine. Right. Okay. Yeah. You definitely want people to hold on to things that are sentimental to them, but uh, we'd love to have um, some kind of copy of it at least to um, to put it into the the schoolhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's one thing that the preservation office did was they would copy it. They didn't take their originals um you know and i don't remember this number so hopefully you'll remember it but we were talking and you had said how many schools there were at one point in wood county one what was that number one of the 1936 maps had more than 50 marked more than 50 that's really how we started our notebooks we listed those 50 and then we collected according to the name of the school, but some of the schools, all we have is the name. We have no picture. We have no information, or we just know that it was there. Yeah, yeah. I think people would be surprised to hear how many schools there were at one point. Being of course, they were smaller. We've been closing schools forever. Right. But, you know, there were 32 students the year they closed New Era in 1956, and the kids were bussed up to Williams School. Okay. Well, I'm sure as, you know, population shifts and moves uh, maybe too closer to the city and uh, you have more uh, one-room schoolhouses that maybe don't have as many uh, students as what they once had, so they've kind of got to move those things around to make sure that they, or build new schools or consolidate schools as well. And I think Esther mentioned already that they or maybe I'm just remembering this from my research, but you said that on occasion, when the time was right, they would move the school to the, lo- to the, to the location that where the population was, yeah. I'm assuming that's why they moved this one. Yeah. I'm assuming that. Um, do you happen to know what year the uh, Wood County Schools sort of consolidated? No, I don't know that. I know that the county system came into being in 1933. 1933. So any of the research we do prior to that is from the back of report cards or certificates. or So we have some mistakes. When we started, we thought 1884 was the date, but after we found the, uh, the deed that said, Eighteen ninety one, four hundred ninety five dollars, and we knew we were wrong. But all of our literature says eighteen eighty four, so we're just going to leave it there. <laughs> Don't want to change it. Yeah, we learn as we go. Lots of mistakes. We didn't. You talked about moving the school. We wanted to be on the national. We wanted to be on the register of, of historic, historic places, places. Yeah, but moving is a no. Okay. Once the school's moved, you, you can't qualify for that. That's the usual yeah. answer. Well, that kind of stinks. Yeah. But that's why we were so careful to measure everything and take off the, uh, replace everything correctly and number the boards in the floor mm-hmm. and oil the boards and, and replace That had to be them. a monumental task. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. It was a team effort, of course. It yeah. 
and, and Wood County Schools cooperated so well. I mean, it's on their property, mm-hmm. although we're on the campus of Mineral Wells, it's on their property. They also administered one of the first grants, which brought all the fourth, the thousand fourth graders to our facility for mm-hmm. a, a class and for a, a, an experience. The Wood County Commission, I mean, we've had support from all sides. And uh, from the community as well as the businesses and the historical places. Yes, and I believe the the community just uh, supported a, a levy. Levy, thank you, Jimmy. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm not here. That is also uh, going to support the new era school. Lots of fundraisers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Lots of fundraisers and all volunteers. So you guys do a lot of work to to raise those funds, and uh, we have had all the t-shirts and chili suppers and all those things right. that's normal yeah. <laughs> go to craft shows and uh sell the toys and pie socials uh, we've tried a lot of things uh, the pandemic shut us down almost three years and it's just building back up now we couldn't have any of the schools or any of the kids but i didn't run out of things to catalog. <laughs> <laughs> There's you always know. work to be done, yeah, isn't there? Work to be done. That's right. Oh uh, well, I know you just had a kite festival, right? Didn't you have? Well, it. I think there was too much wind when we had the, when <laughs> you had the fun, kite yes. kite <laughs> festival. When we got, we was, uh, Mr. Barker was able to do one day, mm-hmm. two day. He had, and so it didn't become the fundraiser that we had hoped for. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, well, I know that I was born and raised in Wood County, and I remember as a kid um, going to, I think, the cookhouse. I remember going to Blennerhassett Island, the one-room schoolhouse, and, you know, all those things you, you do get to see. You're, you are taken and transported back in time, and you get to see the, the different toys that they played with, the kids, and, and it just opens those, those students' eyes to see uh, a little bit, get a taste of what uh, things were like you know, 100 or 150 years ago or possibly more. So it was really, it's something I still remember to this day, and I'm 44, so um, whenever that happened, I remember I, it, it has stuck with me over the, over the years. But um, here in Wood County now, you know, there, there are 16 elementary schools. We have six middle schools, three high schools. Uh, we have the Summit Success Academy. We have the Caperton Center and the Wood County Technical Center. Some of our elementary and high schools have very large populations. So I think overall we have around 12,000 students in the, in the school system. Now, in comparison, how did a one-room schoolhouse uh, operate with one teacher and a wide variety of age levels? Because this is something that's fascinated me. My dad grew up, I think he's close to, he's around, he's 70. Um, but he grew up in, in the Fairmont area and he grew up going to a one-room schoolhouse, mostly his cousins and family members, but uh, this has always fascinated me, how, how a teacher would handle all of that. And especially when they hadn't been trained. At one mm-hmm. point, all they had to do was take a test. Everything was like rote memorization. Right. The teacher <coughs> used the older students, of course, to, to help the smaller grades, and 
we've been told they also have promoted them, double promoted them, so they'd have like two fifth grades instead mm-hmm. of one five, one <laughs> four, and one five. Uh, well, it's just I'm sure that they're. I know that we can get overwhelmed in the classroom and teachers get overwhelmed and you're teaching. We've got a wide range of uh, curriculum things and all types of uh, items that teachers have to cover in today's classroom. And and it's overwhelming now. There might not have been as many mandates back then to get covered, but they were doing other things differently. You've got a teacher cooking in the classroom uh, along with, You've, you've got, got that it. one teacher instructing the older kids to come down and teach the younger kids, and, and that can happen at varying levels. Maybe a fifth grader coming down to teach a, you know, a little kindergartner or first or second grader, but also the, high sc- the kids that are up in the you know, 10th, 11th. If, if I'm sure that the numbers went down into those higher grade levels. How, late, how old did New Era eighth, go to a certain... To the 8th grade. To the 8th grade. And, and, of course, the older boys didn't come as often correct they because were needed at the home uh, or exactly the, or the girl was needed at home so there was no good attendance records at the beginning they tried the truant officer bit for a while but that didn't last either <laughs> it's too cultural at the time <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. you've got farms you've got different things to take care of uh back then that uh you know uh, education is important but also we need you survival. back here. Yes, survival. Right. The attitude of the early was not always toward education. They didn't always value it as much as we would have l- liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you mind sharing any customs or traditions uh, that were common to one-room schools uh, that have been mostly lost to maybe society today? Well, the rigid and the yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Of course, we still do the pledge, but they also did a prayer and also quoted a Bible verse. If if the teacher pointed to you, you you were supposed to do a Bible verse. Being quiet, it depended on the teacher, if you were supposed to be quiet, if it turned into a Bible school, Mm -hmm. a babble school. the games that we played, of course, are different. We do On play day, which is like field day now, mm-hmm. they would gather up and go to one central school and have games and, reset and races. We have the Maypole game from Park School. I we remember We were lucky enough to get that. Um, we do the stilts. Um, of course, ball is always the most loved game. So when the visitors come, I don't put out the balls. Mm-hmm. I want them right. to try right. something else. Sure. Right. I want them to try the, and of course, we'd still do the jump rope. But uh, the teeter-totter with supervision, <laughs> we have a homemade one. Washing their hands and brushing their teeth and, and all those other things that had to be taught. Hmm. Definitely. They were not part of their everyday life. One little boy came to school barefooted. He always he wanted to be the first one this spring to come barefooted, and it snowed that day. Oh, no. They Goodness. told us that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't imagine that happening today. Oh. 
well, it seems like there's so much to learn uh, from uh, about where we've been in Wood County and where uh, we've come in public education by visiting uh, the New Era School. If someone wanted to plan a visit or learn more about it, where could they go? They can go to our website to get the connections and some of the ideas and some of the back history. Okay. Then they can contact us. We're open <coughs> on Tuesday afternoons in the summer, but we're open by request almost any other time. And by request, you mean by through they would either contact you through email or mm-hmm. somehow on the website? Yes. Okay. And well, I'm sure we'll put we'll those links those in, the, in, yep. the, in the description of this podcast. Um, one other thing uh, that I'm thinking about here, Eric, um, I know that you've been working on uh, taking a lot of um, some of those items, that, that historical information, those papers on all those schools that have been uh, collected over the years. I know that Esther shared those with you, and now you're doing something else with that. Do you, you want to mention that really quick? Yeah, um, all of the incredible work that Esther's been doing, we are currently digitizing uh, to preserve it. And, uh, you know, to have a record of it, um, we're hoping that this will allow people in their research to be able to connect the dots. Um, I'm sure for Esther, that's been one thing um, that when you come up against a a dead end, you can't go any further because you just don't have the answer to where this particular address might be or what did this image, uh, which school did did it correspond to. Um, so when we start to connect all those dots and it's shared and people can understand, um, you know, and find those resources, then you're able to, uh, get more of those resources and put them together and tie it all together. That sounds great. Well, a lot of our pictures or several came from the, <clears throat> the slides that were taken of Wood County schools and they went around, uh, asking them to vote for the levy way back then. So we, we have those pictures that they would show to the community to say this is what we have and this yeah. is where we'd like to be. Um, they were also the public uh, Wood County Library had a set of pictures from a Mr. Cooper that had gone around and taken pictures and we were also uh, donate those were also donated to us. Can you tell us anything about the West Virginia Archives and history? Uh, website what what does it offer they have come to different communities and taken not just school pictures but family pictures and they've archived them uh, in charleston Um, you can go on there by county and find the schools also and some of those are from our collection okay well we'll definitely have the uh the website for that as well um at the end of this podcast some music um that that we've enjoyed uh 
some dulcimer music. Um, can you tell us anything about the dulcimer and and how it was connected to One Room Schools? Well, as well, the toys as well as the musical instruments might have been homemade, handmade, and uh, the dulcimer that that we were familiar with was brought by the person, Jerry Rockwell, who made it and did the lessons for us. Very nice, very nice. Listening to Jerry Rockwell playing the Mountain Dulcimer, sometimes called the Appalachian Dulcimer. The album is titled Nine Meditations for Dulcimer. Mr. Rockwell has donated some of his music to the museum. To learn more, visit jerryrockwell.com. Can I add one one other yeah. thing? I know that uh, we talked about you have different funding sources, uh, but granted. Sometimes those are few and fun, but uh, few and far between. Um, is there, if anyone would like to possibly donate or contribute, is there a way that they could do that while they're visiting, or uh, maybe they aren't able to visit, but they'd like to contribute to help out? Is is that possible? That would, that would be lovely. The, <laughs> the address is on our website. And also, uh, we are part of the Give Local, but uh, donating to us right now would be important because funds are low, as usual. <laughs> so that would be a direct thank you. That would be amazing. Yeah. So if you have the ability to do that, or if you would like to, then definitely contact uh, the New Era School and, and uh, look for their address and, and uh, it might help them out in any way. The mailing address is Post Office 340, Mineral Wells, West Virginia, 26150. Okay. All right. And again, we will probably put that down in the description as well, so in case you want to see that uh, in print. So, Yes, and um, we've been speaking today with Esther Carroll, and um, she's a retired Wood County teacher librarian, and she's the volunteer curator and um, just about everything with New Era School, and um, we really appreciate you coming in today, Esther. Um, we love hearing your stories, and so we knew that other people would want to hear these as well, so we so appreciate you coming in today. I want to emphasize that it's a teamwork. <laughs> it's teamwork. Yes. You know, we don't just do one. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people to pull all of that together. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it.